Welcome to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. Each week we explore questions of faith, community, and identity. This is Jessica Chen Fing, and I'm your host for this season as we dive into issues of mental and relationship health. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today. We are going to be talking about a fun topic how to date wisely and safely. So for a lot of the clinicians out there or pastors, you probably have been asked this question many times. So we're hoping to have a conversation today to develop some what we call relational intelligence so that we can all be better connected in authentic and mutual relationships. I have with me a really wonderful guest today, Melba Matthew, she is a graduate of Fuller's Marriage and Family Therapy Program. Welcome to the show, Melba. Hi, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Of course. It's so great to have this conversation with you. So um, I'd love for you to tell us more about who you are and maybe as it relates to the topic of dating. Mm, I love this topic. I find myself using dating as a metaphor for so many different things in my life even. And I think really what interests me is the fundamental question of why do people choose and do the things that they do? So that question is what led me initially to study economics when I did my bachelor's degree. And that was in the context of, you know, the marketplace, the economy. Why do people do and choose the things that they do? And then later on in my career, I made a pivot and realized I was more interested in the context of family and relationships, applying that same question. Um, So dating is really that whole process, right, of making decisions and choosing what's best for you for hopefully a lifetime if you're thinking about marriage. Yeah, I think that is what piques my interest about this topic and why as a marriage and family therapist... Um, starting with dating, because that kind of builds into creating a family life is really interesting to me. Oh, totally. And actually, when you mention it being from this business economic perspective, I've never thought of it that way. But really, it's an investment, right? Yeah. (laughs) Dating and the potential of the future. And yes, I really appreciate that. You know, so I'm wondering about your experience, whether personally, clinically, what you see as challenges in the Asian American Christian community in regard to dating. And if it's relevant, maybe speaking from your own Christian community context and family life, whatever feels relevant to you. Well, it might be helpful first to locate myself. Yes, that'd be great. (laughs) I'm an Indian American, um, specifically from a group in South India known as Malayalis. And I'm part of a Malayali church back home and affiliated with a larger denomination that's Indian and Christian. That's my background and most of my relationship experience has been in and around that community. Dating just now in the time that we live in, I think is so complex for everybody. Um, But I won't go into, I guess, all of the the larger challenges, but specifically for Asian Christian Americans, I think so much is changing in terms of the culture, right? What was relevant and challenging for me five years ago 
is different than what was the case 10 years ago or 15 years ago. I think as the community gets more culturated, as we start forming a greater sense of Asian American identity, I think that's like being embraced more than in the past, seeing ourselves as just Asian or being othered into that category. I think with each generation, there's more of an embrace of, okay, some, what makes me American, what makes me Asian? And I think that definitely plays into dating, especially when your parents or the generations before you maybe didn't date at all. Yeah. So yeah, in my case, my parents had an arranged marriage and then some of the older folks, but still in like the first generation immigrant group were introduced to dating, but were still kind of open to a setup type of thing. So not quite arranged, but not quite dating. I think in like maybe 10 years ago, that was more relevant. And then now there's more of an acceptance maybe from parents of dating or just getting the opportunity to choose your own partner. So just even that process of what am I allowed to do or what is acceptable to not just me, but to my parents and to my community. And then also in, you know, the normal, like the normative culture, the majority culture, right? You're Mm -hmm. getting pressure from that side as well. I think figuring that out is probably one of the main challenges So I really appreciate what you're saying. And from your context, you saw your parents' arranged marriage. Now there are different options or possible ways of of finding a partner, but maybe applying that more broadly, it's just the generational differences, right? And I definitely hear from whether it's clients or students I work with, people are reluctant to try such and such new dating app like is that okay or is it okay to meet someone in this other space it's not maybe something they were used to hearing growing up or it's not something condoned by their families and so that intersection of the generational differences but being connected to their families through the dating process, there's all sorts of other opinions that come up, right? Right. Those are those challenges I hear you saying. Yeah. And then I would add to just, I think Asian American Christians may experience a unique type of pressure that maybe other groups don't in the same way, you know, because there is some desire to be acceptable to your parents, to be pleasing to them, want their approval, you know, and there are certain virtues that you, you know, as a Christian might even want to live by that kind of get convoluted then with dating. So you want to be humble, but you also, you know, and you want to be loving towards everyone, but you also want to be discerning Mm. about who's good for you and not, and what other people think is good for you, um, including your parents might be different than what you're looking for. And so that adds another layer of complexity and and pressure, I'd say. Yeah, I see. So some of that Christian discourse or expectation, and I'm just thinking, because I've worked a lot with women, being nice, you said humble, not pushing people away or saying, no, this is not what I want, being very clear about it. Is that kind of what you mean? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember struggling with that quite a bit when I was dating. And so just from personal experience, I remember like not wanting to disappoint my parents Mm -hmm. in what they thought was, you know, a good match or a good person that I should go talk to. And then when I just didn't feel a genuine connection, 
I remember experiencing a lot of pushback, you know, what's wrong with that person? Or why do you think you're better than them? And that was really hard to hear because it wasn't what I wanted to be. I didn't want to create that impression, you know, that like I'm saying no because I think they're better. I think I'm better than them by no means. That was really hard to wrestle with when I was when my no wasn't really understood. And I really didn't even understand because I was still figuring out, I was so confused, I think at the time, by why I was like having the reactions I was having. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And I am, it makes me think about how the expectations of the first generation, it's like there were certain standards for finding a partner, right? Maybe mm-hmm. very different from, and, and right now, obviously, we're talking about Asian American families where there's a first and a second generation. It may or may mm-hmm. not be different for second and third generation, maybe even more different as we move down the generations. But this idea that if you're born and raised in the United States in this larger American context, you know, we're socialized to have different ideas about partnership and finding your, your lifetime partner, which are different from our parents and all of the conflict that comes up from the idea of wanting to please and honor our parents, whether for cultural or religious reasons. And then like, no, the sense of self and choice, how do you figure out where your boundaries are, right? That Asian American value of I belong to my family. So maybe my partner who I choose, it does impact my parents. So yeah, I'm just hearing how it can be so, there's a heavy burden for that person who's in this dating scene and the intersection of the racial or ethnic identity with the faith and the immigrant family background. There's just a lot there to figure out. So I'm just wanting to resonate with the folks who who are in that kind of position. Yeah. And I think the more I talk to people, the more I'm finding, yeah, a lot of people do resonate with feeling that as a burden, experiencing that as a burden. Um, Yeah. So I'm wondering, Melba, whether for you or for clients or people you know, what has been helpful as people move toward finding a relationship or dating? What's helpful for them to know? How can they grow and kind of keep moving forward? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think the fact that you termed it in terms of growth is really important. That you know, I think a lot of pressure is put on like, you will grow once you get into this phase of life, like you, you're single now, and you need to you know, go into this phase of marriage, for example, to prove that you are growing and maturing. But I think a lot of self growth is also needed before you can even move into that stage, or that particular phase of life. And I think it really helps to learn more about your reactions about how you're responding in different situations. So I mentioned like there were times where I really struggled with that burden and I would react in a way 
that I just didn't understand. It was so confusing for me. Like there were times where I would just like break down crying because I just just so overwhelmed and I didn't understand and my parents didn't understand. It didn't help make anything clearer until I really did some more self-attunement and listening to my body, listening to my thoughts and going to therapy for myself also helped me in that process to kind of entangle what just felt like this like confusing ball of like rubber bands, like all together. It helped for me to realize like I'm having this reaction, for example, because I'm feeling powerless. And it's not because I am like rejecting my parents or because I, I disagree with what they're telling me. But in this moment, it's that feeling of powerlessness that's like overwhelming me or consuming me. And so I need to address that and affirm my sense of agency and choice and power and know what is my, the truth about me before I could then get back into those situations where I'm not having to make decisions and respond to people's questions and even just have successful dating experiences, right? So I'm not on guard or defensive. Yeah. So that's just one example of something I had to learn about myself. First, just paying attention to like what's happening in me. Like this is, I don't know why I'm reacting this way and taking the time to reflect and understand that or seek resources like therapy, for example, to help understand what's going on. What am I actually reacting to? I love that. And you know, we're both therapists, so we probably encourage therapy in all seasons of life. But I think there's something really significant about what you're saying in this season of, you know, we say sometimes your life partner selection is one of the most important decisions of our lives. To kind of be ready for that, we have to do our own self-work, right, and that growth process. So I think it's amazing that, that you did that. And so you're saying that it's a really wonderful time. If we have triggers, let's go look at what those might be, right? If, if we have reactions, if we're defensive, if we're, we're hurt or sad about something, it's worthwhile to really look at that to see how it'll impact relationships for the future. There's a whole nother long conversation we could have around what specific things people could work on, I think, but there might be some other helpful conversations. So let's say people are able to get support, right? One is seeing a therapist. Sometimes that's not always possible for people. Do you have ideas about ways people can grow and, you know, develop their sense of self while they're dating? I think it definitely helps to be in community with other people who are dating so that you don't feel alone. I think in that process, it can feel really lonely. Having that community to relate to, to empathize with, to hear what challenges they're going through would be helpful. I read a lot of books, maybe just because I'm a nerd. Yeah, I just like understanding. I think especially as an Asian American, dating wasn't condoned when I was younger. So I didn't have experience, to be honest. So I didn't know what to do. And then I also felt like my window is very short for when I'm expected to find the person I'm going to be with. So yeah, that short window just, I guess, made me more hungry for, okay, what can I learn about like 
dating and talking to people, the way I communicate, how to communicate. So one book that was helpful for me may not be as relevant today, but Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari, I read that. That really helped frame for me, like, generationally, what are differences in dating? It talked about like maximizing versus satisfying. Oh yeah, I've heard that. (laughs) Yeah. So that was really helpful. I think like feeling like, oh, I need to find the best person for me, like maximize, right? And then you have this whole world open to you now with technology. And that was just so overwhelming um, versus like figuring out what do I actually want and need in a partner, right? What would be satisfactory? Not in a way that's like diminishing your standards, mm-hmm. but like, what do I need to be satisfied in a relationship? Yeah. Thinking through that, you know, and, and that might look like, you know, even just journaling, spending time with yourself to reflect on that. And I think that looks different than like, these are my must have and my, you know, like nice to have list. You want to steer away from, I mean, of course, like with attraction, like people have preferences, like it'd be nice if they were tall or whatever, you know, but I think at a a more deeper level of that, like I want someone who is aligned with these values of mine, who treats other people this way, you know, and I think that will then help frame for you what to look for in your conversations, right? When you're meeting new people, right? You're taking into account like, oh, this is how they tr- like treated this person, how we just came across, right? Or when I brought up an issue, they responded in this way, like kindly or with curiosity rather than defensiveness. Mm-hmm. That will kind of help, I think, frame even the way you approach those dating scenarios when you're actually conversing with people, getting to know people. So I, I'm learning so much from what you're sharing. It's like the the change in the scene around dating because of whether it's social media platforms, um, the internet, the, the shift in generational differences, that impacts how we interact with our own dating lives. And so it takes extra thought and reflection to really figure out what is it that's most important to me and how does it interact with this, the new interfaces that are available to us around dating. And I love reading books. When I was you know, in, in that boat, I read a ton of books about dating too. And um, the other piece you mentioned is community, right? I think it's huge. Like any challenge in life or area of growth involving community, having conversations, putting what's in my head out into my relationships. It's like we get good, helpful feedback. So that's a really important piece, I think, for people to be talking about. Yeah. And I think it helps you also name the challenges, right? Without naming it, it could just feel really overwhelming. Um, So when you're actually talking aloud to people for you to name like, oh, this is what is making this process so difficult can be helpful to just give you some more clarity and even a sense of agency right over the process. Yeah. But I, I will say, I think being in community about dating is actually really hard especially for Asian Americans, at least in my experience for Indians, there was so much secrecy about dating and a lack of trust. I think that 
Even now, I don't really know what the answer to is, but I think it is a real, it's a reality that a lot of people might be grappling with. Um, Do you have any sense what that lack of trust or secrecy was about? Yeah, my sense is that you don't want people to know that you're dating because then that increases the chance of them seeing like your quote unquote failures, right? Like it didn't work out with this person. It didn't work out with this person. I see. And framing it even as a failure is, yeah, a big part of it, right? Instead of other people seeing it as like, oh, they just weren't a good fit. People are wondering like, oh, what was wrong with them or what? You know, and and the more you're open about it, about your dating process, the more you open yourself up to that criticism, Mm. which is really unfortunate because it's coming from this view that, you know, you should be able to make it work if they're a decent person and they meet the basic, you know, check marks um, and are good people. But that's not necessarily the case when nowadays people are looking for more than just companion, right? Like back in the day, you know, men and women had different spheres, right? Where they would operate. And now that's not the case anymore, right? We're working in the same workplaces. We're sharing household responsibilities. So you're interacting a lot more. It's not as simple as just saying like, oh, as long as I know that they make, you know, they have this job and, you know, they are healthy and they come from this family, that that's what makes them a good partner. We're looking for more than that nowadays. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And, I, you know, what you're saying reminds me of what we've been talking a lot on this podcast, which is this idea of saving face, right? And at the core of maybe a lot of our cultural identity, there's that piece. And when it comes to mental health and relationship health, we want to open and expand ourselves and the conversation, right? Rather than than closing the system, closing our relationships and connection, it's like if we can reach out, if we cannot worry about quote unquote failing, that these are growth opportunities, if we can break beyond those sort of stereotypical Asian, um, a lot of stuff that we internalize growing up, that we might find another way of dating that's enjoyable and finding a partner in a way that's different and, and involving our families. So, um, you know, Melba, I wish that we could keep talking and talking and I'm sure there's so much that we could, I know. but I really appreciate you being here today and hopefully we'll have more conversations in the future, but thank you for sharing about yourself and your community and, and all the stuff that you know about. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I wish we could keep talking for longer for sure. There's so much to say and it, it is a complex topic and it intersects with so much of our identity, our faith. There's a lot of factors in play when it comes to dating and even and enjoying the process, right? Not just for the purpose of finding a partner, but enjoying the stage of life that you're in, making connections. Yeah. The one thing that I would hope that people take away is that dating is an opportunity to make meaningful connections, whether it's someone you're going to be with for the rest of your life you know, enjoy the conversation that you have, see that person as a person that deserves respect. Those will lead to more positive experiences, hopefully, whether it works out or not. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Melva. 
Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for tuning in to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. This episode was edited by Alexander Cathedral and produced by Jason Chu with music by Mark Redito. We'll see you next time and hope that you remember God loves all of you.